G'day friends, welcome back. Today is going to be a fun one. It's going to be so much fun. Top 10 lightsaber duels. How could this not be fun? Let's get into it. Okay, first of all, I feel like a spoiler warning is required a little bit. In fact, I'm certain it's required. So spoilers for all of Star Wars and some of the most important moments in Star Wars. Full spoiler warning, canvassing all films and TV products of the Star Wars universe. I'm covering both today. You've been warned. Okay, and... Because there was more than a good ways more than 10 fights that I wanted to give a shout out to. I've got five honorable mentions in no particular order. Right, so I'll go through those quickly first. Got Ray and Kylo versus the Praetorian Guards. Ooh, this is one of the coolest moments in the sequel trilogy. Kylo has just tricked and killed Snoke in. A great plot twist that I did not see coming at all. And then, obviously, the Praetorian Guards, all, although too little too late, they, you know, spring to action. And Rey and Kylo fight them together. And although the choreography is not perfect, it's a really, really cool moment. With, you know, that little bit of slow motion to start off with. After we cut away to another scene, we cut back and we get more fighting, with it, like the teamwork. It's a really, really good fight. Really cool scene. And although another reason it's an honourable mention, it definitely isn't top ten worthy, but it's also not technically a lightsaber fight. Because lightsabers, like two lightsabers don't actually clash, technically. The things the Praetorian Guards have are more like lasery melee weapons but still anyway and then another honorable mention is ray and finn versus kylo this is on Starkiller base in the snow i love the look of this fight most of all in the snow like that close-up of ray with the blue lightsaber glowing in the snow oh i really really love the look of the snow and i like the whole fight it's very you know there's it's a long fight which is cool like you got Ray, sorry, you got Finn, first of all, trying to take on Kylo by himself. He loses, as he should. And then that moment where Ray force pulls the lightsaber to her and you get that great moment with a bit of music and then they fight. Really, really cool. Really cool. And then the third honorable mention from the sequel trilogy, and I will say this now, the sequels are not getting any more love in this list. <laughs> Um, and that's Ray and Kylo, Ray versus Kylo Ren, um, 
from Rise of Skywalker on the Death Star wreckage. Pretty cool fight. Not amazing, but not bad at all. Like, all the waves crashing around them, where they, like, sort of stop each other's lightsaber swings with the force pause, push the... Like, it's a pretty cool fight. It's not bad. And then we've got two more. Yoda versus Dooku. This was originally in my top ten, but it got pushed out. Um, I, I love, I, can't, I, I didn't experience this, but I imagine it would have been very, very cool to see Yoda wield a lightsaber for the first time, having seen him in the original trilogy when it came out. I think that would have been really, really cool. And just imagining that lifts the quality of this fight somewhat. Um, and it's still a really cool fight. I, I, I'm, I'm on the fence about the whole like, the way that Yoda fights, how he just flips and bounces, and, like, it looks a little bit silly, but it's also a little bit cool, and I, I like it enough to include it here as an honourable mention. And then the last one I've got is the other Yoda fight. It's Yoda versus Palpatine from Revenge of the Sith. Another very, very cool thing to see. The fight itself did not really live up to expectations, um, but I like... I like all the different, I like all the stuff that they use with the force. I like how like the the sort of history of it, the fact that Yoda bested Palpatine as a swordsman, which is why Palpatine after this fight never used a lightsaber again. He just purely relied on his force abilities. I think that's pretty cool because he realized his lightsabers were holding him back actually. So I like that a lot and I like the fight a lot. It's just not, just doesn't have quite what it takes to be a top 10. What does though? Here we go, we're getting into the top 10 now. Number 10, Obi-Wan Kenobi versus Darth Vader from A New Hope. The, excuse me, the first ever lightsaber battle duel fight that we ever saw. And that is part of the reason that it's here. It's not, it's probably the least exciting lightsaber battle in all of Star Wars, bar another on this list. It's one of the least exciting, but part of the criteria I had for this list was not just the fights itself, how cool they looked, how exciting they were, but what they meant for the story, the, the emotional punch that they had, the drama within, like, you know, the storytelling inside the fight, right? The way this fight ends, you know, with Obi-Wan sacrificing himself, whatever, allowing Vader to kill him so that, you know, he could continue as a Force ghost and uh, be more powerful, so, you know, whatever. It's important for so many reasons, and it's going to be shown to be more important in the Obi-Wan series, I can tell you. Um, but just the, the 20 years of, you know, hatred building up in Vader, the 20 years of calm for Obi-Wan, just coming to terms with it, whatever, and just the fight purely serves as a distraction so that the others can get away. And his death doesn't matter. And he's not really dying. When you become a Force Ghost, you're not really dying. You're becoming one with the Force, right? And although you no longer have a physical existence, you're still there, right? 
and for that to be the end of, you know, their story, Anakin and Obi-Wan, at least until we see them together at the end, as, you know, both having passed on, that, like, it's it's got a lot of power, that moment. It's, and, and, it, and it's just classic. It's just a historic piece of cinema, the end of that film. So it deserves to be here. And it deserves to be here even more when we include the scene 38 reimagining. If you know what that is, you'll know what I'm talking about. And I like to consider it as canon because it's fucking amazing. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just YouTube scene 38 reimagined and give it a watch because it is superb. And I hope that one day Lucasfilm picks it up, gives it a touch up, and inserts it into the film, which they've been known to do. Because um, it's really, it's it's perfect. I love it to bits. All right. Number nine. Number nine. This is the first animated non-film fight in this list. It is Anakin versus Asajj Ventress from the Clone Wars. And not the Clone Wars that we all know very well, but the Samurai Jack Clone Wars from 2003 or 2002, I think, whenever it came out. Um, yeah, that Clone Wars. And, and, and this fight, this is... Had, like, oh, this fight is amazing. And the only reason it's not higher is because I, I just don't have... I personally don't have as much of a connection to the Samurai Jack Clone Wars as I do everything else. I haven't seen them in a long time. I rewatched the fight just to, you know, give it a good, you know, to explain it well for this episode. But I haven't watched in a good while and it does not, you know, I don't have a, as strong a connection to it as I do other content. But this fight is amazing. Definitely is one of the best in all of Star Wars, and it's one of the best for the story of Anakin and his development. So, first of all, it's very long. It's six and a half minutes long, unbroken. Doesn't cut away to anything else. It's just a six and a half minute sword fight, and it's amazing. There, There's literally a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's like its own little story, right? It... They start off in this jungle, they fight there for a bit, and then they jump up into the treetops, and there's this little, there's this moment where the music stops for about 30 seconds, and they're both sneaking around and jumping up and down, and, you know, Asajj makes Anakin fall, and he catches himself, and then she makes him fall, and it's just silent except for their little movements, and it's so cool, it's so cool. And the music starts back up again, they fight a bit more, and then they end up on these ruins that look like Mayan temples, and they fight some more, and then they're standing there in like this Mexican standoff, and it starts to rain again without any music, and the rain, like, the guys that made this Samurai Jack Clone Wars, 
the same guys that made Samurai Jack, but I'm just, you know, calling that so you know what I'm talking about. They took their time with this fight in particular. This is a real masterpiece in how to do tension, how to do storytelling in a fight, right? Asajj and Anakin, also, they're so perfectly matched because Anakin isn't at his prime yet. They're both very young, very inexperienced, very hot-headed. They're very, very similar at this stage. Um, But there's this moment where they both stop in the fight. They just sort of stand there looking at each other, just sort of, you know, like sussing each other out, kind of. And then you just get this drop. Drop. Very, very slow build-up of rain. A very realistic build-up of rain. Normally in films and TV, it just starts raining heavily, immediately. It just goes straight away but in this you get like a couple of drops and it takes like 10 15 20 seconds for the rain to really start and as it starts to get heavier a few hit their lightsabers and little puffs of steam coming off it's amazing it's amazing it's it's you know the, the level of oh i don't i do not even honestly don't know why. I think if I was a different person, this would be higher on my list. I don't know what that means, but it's it's so good. I was so impressed on re-watching it. I remember it being great, but I didn't remember it being so good. I think because the last time I saw it, I was a lot younger and I didn't fully appreciate it. But this moment in particular, with the rain hitting the sabers and them just looking at each other, was so powerful and so tense and then they fight for a bit more and the fight ends with Asajj actually disarming Anakin but then Anakin getting angry and this is why the fight's so good we actually see him tap into that dark side a little bit it's it's quite it's quite intense and quite dark so she disarms him she goes to land the killing blow and he just grabs her by the wrists She's got her two lightsabers, he just grabs her wrists and he just go, he just squeezes and then she drops them, drops the sabers. So she's disarmed now. Actually, no, sorry, she only drops one. She drops one, he pushes her away and then he picks up the red saber that she dropped. And then he just starts wailing on her. He's smashing down these blows and she's barely able to block them with her one saber and she's, you know, on the ground, she's just trying not to be killed and she's on the edge of this ruin, on like this cliff edge and then he keeps just wailing on her, smash, smash, smash and then the bit that she's on just collapses and she falls into this chasm and that's the end of the fight but after she's disappeared into the darkness, the camera goes to Anakin and then he just lets out this enormous scream and... The, the red lightsabers lighting up his face, and you go, fuck, like, this this was, I mean, obviously they knew what was going to happen, they knew Anakin is Darth Vader, like, it was not a surprise to anyone how he ended up, but this was two or three years before Revenge of the Sith. This was bold to include these themes in this show. I, it's it, They've added it to Disney Plus now, I highly, highly recommend if you got Disney Plus, go and give it a look. It's, it's at the end of the first part of the Samurai Jack Clone Wars series. I'm fully committed to calling it that. Um, go give it a look. 
You don't have to watch the rest of it if you don't want to. Just go look at this fight because it is remarkable. Really remarkable. All right, number eight. Number eight is another animated fight. There's actually, there might be more animated fights here than not. Let me count really. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, it's five versus five. I like that. That's fair. Okay, number eight is Palpatine versus Maul and Savage. It is rare that you see so many Crimson Blades in the one scene. In this one, we get four. But technically, we get five. But in this one, we get four. I say technically five because Savage has a double-ended, you know, whatever. Um, so at this stage in the Clone Wars, it's in the Clone Wars series, by the way, Maul and his brother Savage have taken over Mandalore. And they're taking over the you know, the crime cartels and they're, you know, Maul's really starting to get a foothold in the galaxy. He's really back. And his old master, Palpatine, senses this. He can feel him growing in power. He can feel his presence on the other side of the galaxy. And up until then, he hadn't been really worried about it. He's like, I'll just let him do his thing. Doesn't really bother me. But when Maul takes over Mandalore and becomes too powerful... Sidious is like, I absolutely need to kill this before it can walk. And he doesn't even get, he doesn't get like Dooku to deal with it. He doesn't get Grievous to deal with it. He doesn't get some bounty hunter to deal with it. He doesn't send more Jedi to deal with it. He goes and fixes it himself. He just senses it and immediately goes, this requires my immediate attention. And it is so scary. We see him get on his ship in one scene. We cut away to some other story. And then we come back and he's on Mandalore. And you go, oh my god, what's about to happen? And you like, you get goosebumps. And you start to shake. You go, oh my god, what are we about to see? And then he just storms in to this palace building, wherever Maul is. You know, this big hall. He's, he kills all these guards very easily just with his mind. They just stop. <laughs> you know, we all know the, the Sith deal with the choking and whatever. He just walks into the room. And, and the bit before he gets there, Maul and Savage are just talking. They're just having a conversation. And Maul just stops for a second. He just goes, I sense something. I sense something I haven't felt since Master. And he just, just that gasp and master. And when he says master, Sidious is right outside the door. He's already there. And Maul's face is like, oh, fuck. <laughs> His face is great. Because he's just, he's, he hasn't been this powerful since he was under Sidious, right? He's just conquered an entire planet. Not just any planet. Mandalore. He's got his, you know, magically enhanced brother who's this monster and is also force sensitive and has got his own, like, like, he's got this, you know, he's very, very powerful. But then he realizes Sidious is there and he shits himself. And rightly so, because the way that Sidious conducts himself in this fight is so different to how he fights Yoda. It's so different. It's like, it's like. It, I mean, it's it's like tying his shoelaces. 
for him. It's it's not even like tying shoelaces. It's like it's like, I don't even know how to describe it because not only is it really easy for him to defeat them, it's fun for him. He's like laughing and smiling and cackling in their face while he's fighting them. And the way he's, he's so laissez-faire about it, he's like, you know, just spinning around and taunting them and dragging his lightsabers along the concrete and just doing flips easily and throwing them through windows and doing all this amazing stuff. And it's, and it's just like, it's nothing to him. And just when he's like, when he's between them, he's blocking a blow from each of them. Cause by the way, he has two lightsabers himself, which is the coolest. F- when he draws his lightsabers right, right before the fight starts, he goes, they both come out. I, th- I believe this is the first time that we see that he has two. The fact that he has two is the coolest decision they could have possibly made. Why would he have one? Why would, it, why would the most powerful Sith that there's ever been only have one lightsaber? Why not have two, right? So he has two. And it makes sense that he has two so he can fight them both at the same time. He doesn't have to take them on one at a time. He can fight them both simultaneously, right? There's this bit where he's blocking them both. You can see how worked up this gets me. There's a bit where he's blocking them both on either side and it, and his face is all lit up in red, but it's also in shadow from the hood and he just starts to laugh. He's like, <laughs> and then they fight a bit more and he beats them easily. He kills Savage easily. Like he's not even facing the right, like he kills him just behind his back. He just goes, Neh, and like he just jabs his lightsabers back a little bit and kills him. And he then defeats Maul so easily that Maul is just cowering and begging for his life. Because Maul still, all Maul wants to do is get revenge on Obi-Wan. Right? He doesn't really care about power. It's all a means to an end. Right? But he's so afraid. Afraid of dying in this moment at the hands of Sidious. That he just, he starts almost weeping, just begging please it's quite in it's you know it's a bit sad because you're like fuck like you know he he was under this guy for years and then thrown aside and and like it just shows how helpless he really is against palpatine how most people would be um but then palpatine spares him because he says i have a purpose for you or a use for you or whatever he says I think it's covered in a book or a comic or something, but in terms of TV and film, we don't still actually know exactly what it was that Palpatine wanted Maul to do. I am pretty sure. Um, We know that Palpatine sort of gives him a hint as to what is to come with Order 66. Order 66. He doesn't tell him outright, but... Maul has some idea. We see that in those last four episodes of Clone Wars, that Maul has some idea of what's happening, you know, with Palpatine and Anakin. Um, but yeah, that, that fight, that is another one. If you've never seen it, um, I believe it is season five of the Clone Wars. It probably is, because season five is the fucking best. 
Um, I believe it's season five. Just go have a look for it. Google it even, and then I'll tell you the episode. Go give it a look, because it's awesome. The whole episode that that is in is one of the best in all of the Clone Wars. Anyway, amazing fight. And it also, the, the speed and the choreography of the fight was really like, it, it showed what the animated medium could really do for these lightsaber duels. It was very, very impressive what they did. All right, number seven. Not getting through these very quickly, are we? Number seven is another fight from the Clone Wars, and it's from the very end of the Clone Wars. It is Ahsoka versus Maul. Now, this fight was a little bit different in the the way they made it. When I was watching it, I was like, gee, this looks real. The way that they're moving and the way that they're trading blows, it doesn't look like that Palpatine Maul Savage fight. It looks a lot more realistic. And that's because they used motion capture with Ray Park, who's the OG Maul, and Lauren Mary Kim, who is a stunt actress, um, stunt double, stunt, you know, whatever, stunt person. Um, the two of them did the actual fight themselves, and it made what was produced on screen stunning. It is a stunning fight to watch. There is a great video breaking down the two lightsaber dual forms that Maul and Ahsoka are using, and it is fascinating if you're an enormous nerd like me. It is very, very interesting to me to, to like learn about the different styles that Ahsoka's using, where, where her, you know, like how it comes from a bit of Anakin and a bit of Obi-Wan. Oh, it's got chills. And, you know, Maul's style and how, like, that compared to Obi-Wan's. And my Obi-Wan always beats him. Like, like, this very, very cool stuff to get into there. But the fight itself, it looks gorgeous. Like, the setting with the battle for Mandalore happening, happening outside the window. Then the window smashing and the slow motion glass. And, and then Maul goes out the window and Ahsoka follows him. And then they're up in, in like, you know, these... I don't, I don't know why the city is, like covered in glass but it is and they're up in these rafters and this is more great it, it's it's an amazing fight amazing it, it's in terms of choreography because it was real it's it's one of maybe the best fight in star wars like lightsaber duel in terms of choreography the choreography is sublime it's sublime. It looks real. The, the The weight of their blows looks real. How much effort they have to put into different moves, how tired they get, it looks real. I, I applaud the way that they put together this duel. It is, it is absolutely perfect, and I love it to bits. But it is only number seven. Number six. Oh, I've lost my little document. Number six. <gasps> this one a lot of people would probably have this as number one but those people would be fools number six is jewel of the fates that's right it's qui-gon and obi-wan versus darth maul darth maul is in a few of these he's already been in three yes jewel of the fates um 
it's called Jewel of the Fates just because that's the piece of music. That's what the music is called that goes over it. Everyone knows it. The very, you know, choral, dramatic. Everyone knows it, right? I'm not going to. Well, that's a bit embarrassing. Everyone knows it, right? And and it's great not not just because of the music or my singing. It's it's great because of the way it's set out, and it's great because of the choreography. Ray Park is an actual martial arts expert, so having him as Darth Maul was a very 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 good idea. And the way that the fight runs is also brilliant. So Maul is outnumbered. Obviously, he's fighting two Jedi. So what does he try and do as early as possible? Get some separation, right? Once they're up on those big suspended bridges things, he, he when he gets a chance, he knocks Obi-Wan down, right? Gets him out of the fight. So it's just him and Qui-Gon, right? So it's him and Qui-Gon going at it for a bit, going walking along the bridge, and then they get into those little divided ray shield door room bits where they get separated, right? All three of them are each in their own little box, right? And the coolest part of this fight for me is what Qui-Gon does versus what Obi-Wan does versus what Maul does, right? Where they're all just looking at looking at each other, waiting to continue the fight, right? Maul is pacing like a caged animal, right? He's He's like hungry, he's snarling, he's ready to kill, he can't wait, he's just pacing back and forth, right? Qui-Gon is meditating. He looks at Maul, and then he takes a knee, shuts his eyes, and meditates for a second, which is so Qui-Gon, and it's so cool. And Obi-Wan is doing pretty much what Maul is doing, he's standing there, lightsaber still drawn, ready to go. He just wants to, he wants to get in there and help his master. He's you know, he's not there isn't any venom in what he's waiting to do, like there is for Maul, but he's just waiting. He can't sit there and just be patient. Not yet. He's still a Padawan. Um but yeah, he's just, you know he's he's right he's in between what Qui-Gon's doing and what Maul is doing. Um and then obviously Qui-Gon is killed and Obi-Wan defeats Maul, even though Maul had the high ground. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, this, this fight is great because it showed where... It showed what the Jedi were able to do at the height of their powers. This this was the, you know... This is where... This is how powerful they were. Their, you know, their skills with a saber. This is the pinnacle. Like, this this fight. This is when the Jedi were... You know, they're strongest in the tens of thousands. And these are two of their very best, you know. It's just a very, very cool way to end this film. It, I mean, I was only three when this film came out, but had I been older and had I been watching it, I would have been pretty disappointed in general with it up until the end. And it would have blown my mind to see this fight because I've also never seen a Sith but we know that the Sith are like a legend, right? There hasn't been a Sith for a millennium, or whatever Mace Windu says, right? To see Darth Maul fight like this would have been amazing for the first time. Very, very cool. All right, into the top five. What is 
Number five, I've lost my little list again. Number five, oh, number five involves two of the parties from the last battle. It is Obi-Wan versus Maul from Rebels. This fight is very controversial and very divisive as to whether it's any good. A lot of people don't like it because it's one second long. So for those of you who aren't familiar with it or haven't seen it, it requires, like to really appreciate, you need to have seen all of Clone Wars and all of Rebels. But if you haven't, you can still sort of understand why it's amazing. So what it is, Maul has been trying to get revenge on Obi-Wan for decades, for nearly 30 years. Sorry, longer than that. For nearly 40 years. It's been... It's... How long? So it's been 20... It's been like 35 years? I think. Is that right? About 30... Between 30 and 35 years since Obi-Wan cut Maul in half in Phantom Menace? Between then and this moment? And all Maul has wanted to do was get his revenge. He's just gotten angrier and his bloodlust has grown. He's just become more angry, more hateful, more resentful, more just pent up. It's consumed him completely. This, you know, this drive to get back at Obi-Wan and everything that Obi-Wan has been through all, all of the Clone Wars, all everything that happened with Order 66 and with Anakin and the last 20 years or, you know, at this point, the last 15 or so years he spent as a recluse on Tatooine looking after Luke. Everything he's been through, he is so calm and at peace and so ready for what Maul is going to bring. He's so prepared. He's been meditating on every aspect of his existence for a decade and a half. Maul has just been getting more wound up and Obi-Wan has just become more at peace. So it makes complete sense that when Maul goes from the beginning, he's so arrogant because he just sees Obi-Wan as this fragile little old man when he sees him. Maul's no spring chicken himself. But the first movie goes for is that same bop to the face, spin around, stab that he used to kill Qui-Gon three decades prior. Right? And Obi-Wan reads it immediately and just kills Maul with one swing of his saber. And... It's so anticlimactic, but this is when, if, if you're making TV or film, this is how you do an anticlimax, right? This was an unpopular choice that served the story in the best possible way. As I've just explained, where the two of them are at in their lives so perfectly played out in their fight. Obi-Wan, calm, you know, not not angry, not resentful. He's not sick of Maul chasing him. He feels bad. 
he feels remorse for Maul. He feels, you know, he, he genuinely feels bad that this is what Maul's life has become. I, I bet if we ever, if someone was to ever ask Obi-Wan, do you regret, you know, cutting Maul in half and just leaving him for dead or assuming him dead at the bottom of that, you know, shaft, he would regret it. Not because of what Maul put him through, but because of what Maul went through. Because that's where Obi-Wan was at as a person. He's, he's the best Jedi that there's ever been because he was completely committed and completely selfless. So when he kills Maul, Maul collapses and Obi-Wan catches him in his arms. And Maul has realised that Obi-Wan is on Tatooine for a reason, and he knows that he's there protecting someone, and Maul, as he's staring death in the face, as the last three decades, at least, of his life have been a complete failure, he looks at Obi-Wan, who's just cradling him, and he goes, tell me, is he the chosen one? And Obi-Wan goes, he is, they're talking about Luke, he goes, he is. And Maul says he will avenge us. Oh, what a great line. He will avenge us. And then he passes away. He will avenge Maul because the reason that Maul's life went the way it did was because of Sidious, right? And he will avenge Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan's life was ruined by what Sidious did to Anakin in Order 66. And he's saying, Maul is saying that he will avenge the two of them and all of the Jedi and everyone who has suffered at the hands of this plan by Palpatine. And it's beautiful. And Obi-Wan just buries him out there in the desert and it is beautiful. It actually, you know, will bring a tear to my eye pretty much every time I watch it. It is such a beautiful and tragic end. It was such a brave decision to make from a storytelling point of view. But it's so beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful moments in all of Star Wars. It is really, really underrated. And I'm sorry if it was a letdown for some people, but you've got to look at it from a different point of view. Um... Yeah, it's 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 breathtaking. A, a beautiful end to a character that they lifted from the ashes in Maul. Like, Maul died for all intents and purposes in Phantom Medicine. They brought him back in Clone Wars. Dave Filoni knew what he was doing. He's like, this character has potential. And he fleshed him out fully. And it, it is... I applaud what they did and how they chose to end his tragic story. All right, number four. What is number four? Here we go. Oh, another Rebels one. Another Rebels fight. It's Ahsoka versus Vader. The long-awaited rematch. Well, not rematch, match, but, you know, re-meeting. It was the first time they go toe-to-toe, and last time, after 
they part ways in the Clone Wars. So Ahsoka leaves the Jedi Order, and that is one of the many catalysts that lead to Anakin turning to the dark side. Right? And a little prior to this, Ahsoka has figured out that Darth Vader is Anakin, just because, you know, she was meditating and he spoke to her and she saw some things and she figured out what was going on. And Ezra and Kanan are at this Sith temple trying to get a Sith holocron and Vader turns up. There's a whole heap else going on. There's, you know, there's three Inquisitors there. Maul is there. There is all sorts of shit going on at the end of season two of Rebels. There's all sorts of amazing shit going on. Kanan's just been blinded. There's so much going on. Um, but Kanan and Ezra are about to take this Sith holocron out of the temple and Vader shows up. And they're in trouble, right? He's, he's Vader. This is Vader. Just about at his most powerful. There's no way they could beat him. But then Ahsoka turns up. And the, the music. The music in all of Rebels. I believe it's all done by Michael Giacchino. I believe how it's pronounced. It is... He's not afraid to use the Force theme, and he's not afraid to use it in different ways, but the score for Rebels is outstanding. It, it is such... It's a love letter to everything John Williams wrote, and more. It's really, really good. And the music in this moment is taken straight from Clone Wars, which I'm not sure who scored Clone Wars, but it's taken straight from that scene where Ahsoka did leave the Jedi Order. These, these long violin strokes... Um, and it, it is poignant. It is poignant. <laughs> it, it's, it's, when Rebels was coming out, I wasn't watching it as it was coming out. I hadn't caught on yet. But I bet everyone was just wait. When Ahsoka came back in season two, everyone would have been waiting for her and Vader. And we got it. And the fight itself is brief although very good, but like the Maul-Obi-Wan fight, it's about the context. It's about the drama. It's about the characters, the story that surrounds it. And the best moment of the fight is when Ahsoka actually gets a bit of a hit in and she cuts off part of Vader's mask, exposing Anakin's face underneath. And he looks at her, one eye of, you know, one of his actual eyes exposed, he looks at Ahsoka and he says her name. And they combined Vader's voice and Anakin's voice. They mix them together. It sounds great. He goes, Ahsoka. And she goes, Anakin. And she says, I won't leave you. Not this time. Because what happened last time was not great. She says, I won't leave you. And then... He doubles down. He goes, then you will die. And he reignites his lightsaber. And that's the end of the fight. We, we don't see the end until season four, when we realize that Ezra actually, I'm going to get into the weeds a little bit here, but he came through a time-traveling portal and saved Ahsoka from being killed by Vader. If you didn't know that, that's a bit of a bomb to drop. But yes... Ezra travelled through time and he saved Ahsoka from that fight. 
but that's neither here nor there. It, it's it's about the fight itself and about the context around it. It is one of the best moments in Star Wars, and it's one of the best lightsaber duels there is. All right, top three. Number three, we're, we're, we're back into live action now, and we're into live action for the rest of the list. Number three is Luke versus Vader, round two. Luke versus Vader from the end of Return of the Jedi. Now, this is another fight that there isn't a whole lot going on. It's pretty good, but, you know, in terms of... Like, there's the three, there's the three fighting styles from the three sets of films. You've got the very sort of gritty, realistic fighting style from the original trilogy. Then you've got the very stylized style from the prequels, and then sort of a slight mix between the two, probably more leaning towards the more realistic, gritty form from the sequel trilogy. This is a very straightforward fight, but again, it's about what else is happening. Palpatine sitting in his little spinny chair, right? Just in Luke's head. He's like, you save your friends. Join me. Strike him down. Just, he won't shut up. And he's been talking for 20 minutes before the fight even starts. Talking and talking and making Luke angry. Yes, use your anger. He's just, oh. And Palpatine being in the room is what makes it so great. It's another dimension to what their previous fight was, obviously. And the fight is much shorter in this one than it is in Empire. But it doesn't need to be long. They've already had their big fight, right? And and Luke is a different man now than he was in Empire also. But the fight is, you know, pretty short. And they're pretty evenly matched. And it's not until Vader realises that Luke has a twin sister and that he has a daughter... He goes, a sister, you have a twin sister. And then Luke's like, don't you talk about Leia at all. Just mentioning her name sends him crazy. (laughs) He gets very, very angry at the thought of Vader trying to use Leia for evil purposes. And he goes berserker mode. This is where he, you know, forces Vader back into a corner near the ledge you know, that bottomless shaft. Then he starts, you know, beating on him with the saber, very similar to how Anakin did to Asajj Ventress in, you know, the earlier entry from this list. Just smack, 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 and Vader's just trying to block, trying to, you know, getting weaker and weaker. And then the moment where Anakin cuts off one of the cybernetic hands of Vader and he sees that Vader isn't a man under there, not fully. He sees it, and the great moment where he looks at Vader's missing hand and sees the wires poking out of the wrist, and then he looks at his own cybernetic hand, and there's a whole lot of different things you could be thinking there. You can infer what you like, but it's just got a lot of power, that moment. And then Palpatine's still running his mouth, and he's like, right, Vader couldn't get the job done, I'll do it. And he starts the lightning zappy zaps, and then Vader throws him down the shaft, and we all know where that ended up, you know. Nowhere, apparently. Um, But again, it's about the drama around the fight. It's about, you know, 
a father and son. Like, Luke is still, still trying to convince Vader, you know, you don't have to keep doing this. You can come back to the light. You know, you don't want to do this. I feel the conflict. He's so confident. He keeps telling Vader, I can feel the conflict within you. And he's right. But not until it's genuinely too late does Vader repent and get to go to Jedi heaven and become a force ghost. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's one of my favorite moments in Star Wars, that, that sequence. It's, and it's one of the most important as well. It was the end of the original trilogy. It was a big moment for people. Um, all right. Number two, I mentioned it moments ago. It is Luke versus Vader round one. It's the fight where we learn that Vader is Luke's father. Obviously, people in my generation knew it already, but seeing this in the cinema would have made me shit my brains out. Would have been an amazing reveal to see along with everyone else. If you got to experience that, I envy you. But the fight itself, the fight itself is great. First of all, like starting in that, I don't know what you call it, the, the room where the carbonite chambers are, like the carbonite room, I don't know. Um, but just with all the steam and the mist hiding Vader and Luke, you can see their lightsabers and, you know, just when Vader's about to hit the carbonite button, Luke jumps out and Vader can't see him and they play a bit of cat and mouse and then they get into a full-blown fight and they go out into the hallway and then eventually out onto a you know another big open chasm shaft thing a, a, a lot of fights in star wars take place over a big bottomless empty shaft it's like a rule um the fight works its way out there vader cuts off luke's hand another bold move from a still growing franchise to dismember its main character in the second film. Um, yeah, the fight goes on and then we get the iconic moment. No, I am your father. Like, it, 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 changed, it changed everything in Star Wars from that moment on. It, it showed what Star Wars could be in cinema. You know, it could be very, very serious cinema. It's not just, you know space fantasy it can be surprising it can be dramatic and th this fight it, it it was so perfect for it to end in that way because it's a very long fight it's a very good fight very even like you know luke's been and done training with yoda but yoda didn't think he was ready turns out yoda was right because luke loses that's another thing to end this film with the with the good guys losing they, they lose at the end of this film. Vader wins. He nearly kills Luke. Right? It's, this is one of the greatest films of all time. And the baddies win. Which is so interesting. But Yoda was right. Yoda said you're not ready to face him yet. And he loses. But it's a, you know, it's all about, it's a learning experience. Cost him a hand. And traumatized him permanently. But it's a learning experience. And... Yeah, the fight, I'm a big fan of this style of 
like this the stylized stuff has its place it's cool it makes sense for the you know the time period like the jedi being at their most powerful so you know they think they'd be very fancy swordsmen but i like how luke is a little bit of a novice still with a lightsaber and vader is limited by how little of his anatomy is left he's limited by the suit and by the robotic limbs he can't move how he used to so you know this fight makes a lot of sense okay number one the number one lightsaber duel in all of star wars and ad break no i'm kidding it's not youtube is battle of the heroes it's obi-wan versus anakin from revenge of the sith what else could it be I was just bagging on the stylized version of the fights before, but this one is different. And I used to not like this fight. I used to not like this fight because if you really watch the choreography, it doesn't look like they're trying to hit each other at all. At all. But then I thought about it. There could be a canon reason for that if I think about it. Of course there is. These two are best friends. Although they're now sworn enemies, they don't actually want to kill each other. That's why Obi-Wan doesn't fucking cut Anakin's head off when he does that high ground spinning useless flip thing that he does. He could just cut Anakin's head off and be done with it. No, he chooses to delim him and leave him for death in a river of fire. Um, but this fight is the most epic in... Everything that I've talked about, the context and emotions around it are never higher in Star Wars than they are in this fight. And then the actual fight itself is on the most epic scale of all of Star Wars. I believe it is the record holder for the longest 1v1 end of movie fight in cinema history. It'd be under some specific category, like, you know, one-on-one weapons, fight, whatever. But it's a very, very long fight, which I approve of. I love the setting, Mustafa, the lava, the heat. Like, it's, it's dark, but it's this red hot. It's this Sith red. Big fan of that. Big fan of how they're both, you know, Anakin's still with his blue lightsabers. So it's these two blue lightsabers on this hot, red, burning planet. And I love that... I love they get to show off all their abilities. There's that bit where they try to force push, force push each other at, at the same time and they just pause for a moment until they both go flying backwards. And, and then when they, you know, they run out onto that weird little thing that hangs over the river and, and then it falls in and starts to melt and they go over the a lava waterfall like and like the the best moments for me are apart from the very end are at the very beginning when they're still sort of indoors and they really get to show off their prowess with this with the swords and this is where the choreography shines if you like, the choreography isn't super realistic, but I believe it is very, very well done for this fight in this moment. And the, the I don't know if it's all Ewan and Hayden, but it looks like some of it is at least. They did a really good job. And if it's not them, their stunt guys did a really good job 
because it looks awesome. And the, the close-ups of Anakin in particular, where you can just see that he's just, just angry and hateful. He's not even, he can't, it's like he's blind to who he's trying to kill. He's just trying to kill a guy. He doesn't see Obi-Wan, his best friend anymore, his brother. He just sees an obstacle to kill, right? And then when when Obi-Wan beats him and leaves him on that riverbank, he says, you are my brother. Everyone knows this line. You are my brother, Anakin. I loved you. There's going to be stuff around this in the Obi-Wan series that's going to make me cry. And I can't wait for it. <laughs> um, it it's, it's the most emotional, probably the most emotional moment for me in Star Wars. If not, it's up there, obviously. Um, this is now a theme running through these sort of top five or so fights. The, the emotions attached. And I, I wish they'd stretch this scene out a little bit more, maybe a little bit more dialogue, maybe actually lingering on Ewan a bit more, letting him really sort of show the, the heartbreak a little bit more. They cut away to the next scene too quickly for me. I would love to have seen more really milk the emotion in this scene for all it's worth. But yeah, apart from that, this fight and the scale of it that like the actual scale and the emotional scale is by a good way, if you ask me, the best in Star Wars. The, the prequels have got a lot of problems, but they really nailed this. They nailed this completely. And I'm so rapt that we have this fight in canon forever because it's amazing. As are all the others that I've just listed, and that will do. Thanks so much for listening, guys. These Star Wars ones always go for longer than I expect because I just go down rabbit holes and go off on tangents about how Ezra travelled through time and stuff. But, you know, I hope you guys enjoy them as much as I do. I'm very happy to go late into the night talking about this as I've done, but this will do for now. So thanks so much for listening, guys. Remember to like and subscribe and review and all of that. And, and follow me on Instagram. Instagram is where I do all my stuff. I do fun quizzes and other stuff on Instagram. It's where I post everything. So follow me there if you haven't already. Time spent underscore podcast. And I will catch you guys later. Bye.